HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch, grass-fed beef raised on California's central coast. Now available online through Larder Meat Company. Learn more at hearstranch.com. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about how not to get on Santa's bad side with your hosts, me, Hans Gruber. And me, St. Nicholas. Hello, St. Nicholas. What's going on, you cutie? Uh, nothing. What are you, toasting chestnuts over a a wide open fire in the middle of your living room? (laughs) Yep, an open fire pit. Well, yeah, I've also made my house into a fire pit because nothing matters anymore. (laughs) Burn it down. Burn it all down. So I got a Christmas tree, and I'd like to talk to you about it quickly because I'm staring directly into its face right now. Okay. This Christmas tree is essentially just a round bush. <laughs> it has no tall top on it. Cute. <laughs> it's like it's half a tree, and it's so stumpy and cute. And um, I decorated it with things that I found around my home. Where did you get it? I got it at a Christmas, like just a place, you know, in on the street. In the front hardware of, store? No, just uh, like a place, like someone left their window open and I decided to go <laughs> take their, whatever. No, I got like it at, um, exactly. <laughs> I've been sneaking into apartments with my curly little fingers and toes. Um, no, I got it at like, uh, just on the street by Smith and Vine. Oh, well, I said the hardware store because there is a hardware store down there, you, that sells Christmas trees, typically. There is. There is. But listen here, folks. For a single gal like me who doesn't need much tree, <laughs> they just need a tree for one. Um, and everyone's trees were so gigantic this year that I just found, like, the last small tree, but unfortunately did not have a top. So <laughs> I talked him down. I bargained him down $5. Good job. And then I went into the bodega to go get some cash and I was like you know what I should break this money so they don't have to give me change and I bought a lottery ticket and I was like well maybe I'll win the money back for this tree and then I won five dollars <laughs> so it was basically free it's basically a Christmas miracle is what it is oh right that's what it is yeah so uh did you get a tree out there in Indy yeah we have a fake tree hmm pardon me that was a loud slurp. Also, I realized that my chair from last week's episode had gotten some complaints from the peanut gallery. People don't like that I'm sitting in this new leather chair that squeaks. But you know what? I don't give a shit because I need to be comfortable. It's literally all I have left. That's um, probably so annoying, though. I've listened to a podcast like that, and it's just like... 
like this. To me, the squeaks aren't that audible, but it really is quite noisy, very noticeable. So I'm sorry, everyone, but shut the hell up. Anyway, what color is your fake tree? Green. Oh, okay. I, I like a silver fake tree. Yeah, but they're like not really that easy to find. That's true. You might just want to suggest to your parents for next year that that is my preference. <laughs> okay, I'll let them know. <laughs> what else have you been doing? Have you been watching any holiday films or baking sugar cookies? Uh, well, I did some cooking last night. I made potato soup and I burnt myself on it and I have a huge blister on my arm and a welt that hopefully will not scar. That's horrible. How, what part of the soup making process did you get this injury? The immersion blender part. Yeah. Do you remember that there was a person at Brucey who was helping me in the kitchen one day and they dropped a short rib into blazing hot oil and then burned their whole face with oil? No, I do not remember that, but that sounds tragic. It was was my ex-boyfriend, Brian. (laughs) Terribly burned. Not funny. I think he, like, really did leave a scar. But cooking is dangerous, folks, and that's the point of today's show. We're talking about tragedies in the kitchen. Just kidding. (laughs) Oh, also, it snowed here, but you guys are getting a snowstorm tonight? Yeah, I'm, as we speak, the streets are covering in snow. My car is going to be probably on the, like, do you ever have this thing? I don't know if you ever had a car in when you lived in Brooklyn. Did you? Yes, I did. You know the whole game of like which side of the street are they going to decide to like plow in? Yes. There's no way of knowing though. But they usually just cancel offsides parking. They do, but it's just like, am I oh, going to be on the plow your car? And yeah, that's why I carried a shovel in my car. Oh, interesting. That's why I carry a flamethrower in my car. <laughs> Because, like, it's, there were, it hasn't really snowed significantly in New York in the last several years, but in the times when I had a car, there were too many multiple big snowstorms where, like, my car is completely buried under snow. And I had to literally shovel it out because it would, like, get buried, then get buried by the snowplow, and then freeze. So I know. Then you just have, like, a dirty ice cube surrounding your car. And you're, like, yeah. that one car. Everyone's like, look at that car. You yeah. get the, but you get a shovel, and it's there's shovels that are made for cracking ice. Oh. And you're good. Interesting. Freezing cold winter ice expert here, Nicole mm-hmm. Bailey. Do you yeah. um do you have any Christmas traditions that you do with your family? Um. No, we don't. No caroling or making of a gingerbread house. No. <laughs> Interesting. I don't really have. Any traditions that I do with my family either. And I can't see my family, so it really wouldn't matter. Yeah, this year it's really fucked up because my dad's boss got COVID. So (gasps) now my sister probably can't come down. Oh, shit. That really sucks. It really does suck. It's a fucked up. It's a fucked up time. Yeah, it's fucked up because um, the doctor that he goes to is through a hospital, community hospital in Indiana, call them and tell them they suck. They won't test you for COVID in December 2020 unless you have symptoms. Cool. Cool That's hospital. Like what we were doing at the very beginning of a pandemic before yeah. we found out that it spreads without any symptoms most of the time. Right. So they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to test your dad. Also, his job was like, you don't need to get tested unless you have any symptoms. Wow. What's going on over there in Indiana? That's crazy. I'm sure it's like this all over the place. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
we're clearly we clearly haven't handled this situation properly. It's no. just dawning on me. Oh yeah, this is the first I've heard of it too. Yeah, it's. I thought it was under control, but seemingly it's gone haywire. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's really fucked up. Um, over here and other complete. 180 news i am making so many lasagnas <laughs> well that's nice all the neighborhood cats i my lasagnas bring all the cats to the yard <laughs> oh you're just making it for feral cats okay like yes Gar- all the garfields exactly no one's ordered them for me i'm just like no might as well get some attention over here if i yeah. bake lasagnas someone will come over <laughs> someone will <laughs> someone come inside please um but, you know, I was just thinking today how, like, people probably think I eat lasagna all the time. And I don't remember the last time I ate lasagna. And I really would love a slice. But it's like I always make them in the whole pan. So there's no opportunity for me to get a nibble. Yeah. I don't think that people go around thinking that you eat lasagna all the time, though. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very self-conscious about that. As soon as I see a person I haven't seen in a while, I go, hello, how have you been? Just so you know, I have not been eating lasagna. I know that's probably what you were thinking. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't even seen a lasagna. With I close my eyes when it comes out of the oven. <laughs> I make it with a blindfold on and someone else's hands. You know, like when someone gets behind you and does their hands on your body? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me and uh, just someone that I hire who gets tested for quarantine or COVID all the time does that. It's tricky. It's tricky. But, it's uh, tricky, 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 tricky. It's tricky to rock around a clock and make lasagna without your own hands tonight. <laughs> it's tricky. <laughs> Sorry so, that I just rapped on the air, everyone. That's fine. At least I didn't sing. That's true. Singing on the air is embarrassing, everyone. Don't do it. Don't let your friends do it. Um. So today, guys, we have we have a holiday episode. Is it fair to say it's a holiday episode? Feels like it. Yeah, it smells a, like it. It's a holiday episode. It looks get, like it. Get your sweatpants on. Everybody, get comfortable and cozy. Get by a roaring fire. Put some coal in your pipe. Do you have <laughs> sweatpants, by the way? Like real yeah, ones? Sure do. I, I just got some. Any. Well, look, looky here, fella. <laughs> I just got a pair of like brand new. They're vintage, but they're like brand new, really nice sweatpants and then i have one very from old where? tattered pair i got i got them from a vintage store in long island oh my secret place they're gray oh that's what i really want i actually i really hmm. really shit the bed on this because i found a pair i was like oh what's out there on ebay for uh vintage sweatpants and i found this white pair of vintage gold's gym sweatpants so they're white Ooh. and they just say gold's gym on one leg and they were so cute and they were only like that's very chill dollars and i didn't buy them and someone else, some asshole, got them instead of me. Look, if you're out there and you're wearing Nicole's pants, please. You, you give those back to me. Give them back to her. She needs those. She but has nothing is, else. <laughs> there's something weird about sweatpants and sleep pants in general. Like when I go to the Goodwill and stuff, I just like mm-hmm. can't quite bring myself to buy it. Because there's something yeah. about like someone sleeping in it and like farting in it. Even though they fart in their regular <laughs> pants. You feel like people only fart in their shop in their sleep in their sweatpants. I just feel like there's a good chance that they slept in those without any underwear, and then there's like oh yeah, sweat and like pubic hair stuck in there that doesn't come out when you wash it. <laughs> Tiny pieces of toilet paper that are just stuck, <laughs> rolled into the threads. Yeah, it's a real concern. These seemed the ones I bought seem to have never been worn. 
that's nice. So a nice dead stock pair. <clears throat> exactly. But it, you know, it is akin to getting like a vintage maxi pad or something. It's very personal. Yeah. So, because they have obviously tons of like old sweatpants at the Goodwill. It's like the one number one thing that they have there. <laughs> right. Because people are like, this is full of farts. I, don't, I can't, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> Get it. Uh, Let's give this away. Also, sweatpants are <laughs> affordable, so I could just buy a new pair. I'm just really having a hard time. So if anybody wants to send me a Christmas present, get me some sweatpants, okay? This is going to be like the end of that Nicolas Cage movie with, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, what is that movie? It Could Happen to You? Elizabeth Shue. And like they start like, did you ever see that movie? Yeah, where she's a waitress. And he she's a waitress, her. right? He tips her, but then he tips her with his lottery winnings and blah blah blah. A bunch of <clears throat> all kinds of things happen, but then at the end, like everyone in New York sends them in like little bits of money, and they regain their fortune, which they lost throughout the film. Spoiler alert! Sorry if you haven't seen it. Could happen to you. <laughs> well, how did um, they lose their fortune? It's complicated. Do we really want to get into it right now? A bunch of stuff happens. But look, what I'm trying to say is that I feel like you can expect like thousands of pairs of sweatpants. You're going to be able to move into a home made of sweatpants with all the sweatpants you're going to get. That's cool. You can make like a very squishy, comfortable house, a sweatpants house. Like a, that's yeah, great. Not waterproof though. Okay. Well, you just have to give everyone your address right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just send it to the North Pole. <laughs> Address it to St. Nick. St. Nicole. All right. Shall we get into this topic today? I have a lot to say about my topic. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Um, yeah, sure. I felt kind of bad when I was doing this because I'm in a bad mood and I chose to do bad Christmas movies. So I'm sorry if this is a terrible episode where everyone wants to commit suicide afterwards. But I <laughs> I did do like a pros and cons for every okay bad Christmas movie I love um, it. so that I don't seem like a total negative St. Nicholas. A negative um, Nicholas? <laughs> so yeah, I just grabbed some of the movies and this is mostly inspired by me having to watch regular television here at my parents' house and okay. being subjected to these movies um, against my will. Well, I'm absolutely, I'm sitting on the edge of my loud, <laughs> creaky seat. <laughs> Can't um, wait to hear more. Okay, so I'm starting off with Four Christmases. And mm. the premise of this film is that Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon are in a relationship, which is <laughs> impossible to believe. Funny, um, it's funny enough right there. And they star, there's an all-star cast that stars along with them in this movie. It's depressing. Um, but the whole premise is they're dating... And they hate their families. And because their families are so messed up and psychotic, they are like, we're never going to get married. We're never going to have children. And instead of going home for Christmas, they both pretend to their families that they do charity work every year at Christmas. But in fact, they just go on like a tropical vacation. Wow. Ballsy. Um, but this year they can't do that. They get, they get fogged in because they're in San Francisco. Um, uh, of course. And so, essentially, they have to go, the reason it's called Four Christmases is because both of their parents are divorced, so they have to go to all four parents' house. And it's just really a shitty movie. Uh, Who plays the parents? <laughs> what? Who's, who's this all-star cast? Who plays oh, the I'm parents? I'm so glad that you asked. Um, so, Robert <laughs> Duvall plays Vince Vaughn's dad. Oh, God! Sissy Spacek plays his mom. 
what? Mary Steenburgen is Reese Witherspoon's mom. And that doesn't seem right, though. First of all, she's so tall. John Voight is her dad. <laughs> wow. This is psychotic. So basically, yeah. So a bunch, you see each family member, their families suck really bad. Um, and they end up breaking up because they find out like these secrets about each other. The secrets that they discover about each other are one that Vince Vaughn's real name is Orlando. Instead of of Vince? No, instead of Brad. His name is Brad in the movie. Why did he change his name? If you're named Orlando, you want to change it to Brad? No offense, Brad. My brother's name is Brad. But um, Orlando, Brad, my brother, if you're listening, you should change your name to Orlando. (laughs) Um, And then he finds out that she's afraid of inflatable castles. Mm, typical and this causes them to break up but then spoiler alert they get back together and then one year later they've already given birth to a child which they hide wow. from their parents but their parents find out the end wow <laughs> that's very intense yeah um the next one is also starring fucking vince vaughn who i'm pretty sure that i hate um, oh no he's terrible and he's also like a major like conservative like yeah. He's a freak. He's no good. Sorry, Vince. I know that this you're listening, but Jennifer you suck. Aniston. Why did you date this guy? Um, okay. So the premise of this movie, Fred Claus, is Santa Claus is played by Paul Giamatti, which I just think is the most hilarious thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> he actually funny. He does make a good Santa Claus, though, I must say. Um, Interesting. You know, because he's got like that gentleness about him. Yeah, he's a sweet he's a sweet angel. Um, okay, so the premise of this masterpiece is that um this in the Santa Claus mythology or whatever, Santa Claus became a saint and so as a result immortality was granted to him and his whole family, which <laughs> may or may not be true in terms of the actual Santa Claus myth. I do know that Santa Claus himself was granted immortality, but I'm pretty sure in the myth he's an orphan because he has to be raised by like the forest creatures. But whatever. <clears throat> Moving on. So his whole fucking family has immortality. So that means that his brother, Fred Claus, also has immortality. And hmm. I just... <laughs> hmm. okay. I just have to okay. um, actually read from the Wikipedia article. Because it's kind of long. But this is... Uh, so in the present day, Nick has become the modern day Santa Claus. And Fred has become a repossession agent in Chicago. Fred lives alone and is friends with an orphan boy named Slam. (laughs) After his girlfriend Wanda breaks up with him, Fred is arrested for impersonating a Salvation Army employee in an attempt to raise seed money for an illegal casino plan. Typical. This always happens at Christmas time. (laughs) Always. Right, Slam? Yeah. So then, there are a lot of orphans in these Christmas movies. Um, Yeah. So then he has to... like yo i'll give you bail but you have to come up here and do some christmas shit anyway a lot of problems ensue and there's a happy ending so the pros of this movie are that there's a dog at the end um nice what kind i don't remember oh well couldn't have couldn't have been that good of a dog then i was reaching for something (laughs) The cons are, it's just terrible. I wanted to read a clip of, uh, or a a quote of a review of this movie. 
Uh, this movie is so tone deaf and disagreeable as to have worn out its welcome by the time the gush of last act warmth arrives. <laughs> disagreeable. That's a terrible way to describe a movie. <laughs> That's when you know you've really failed. <laughs> okay, the next movie is called Deck the Halls. This movie has 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, uh, with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, that's Jingle All the Way. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, so, but that movie has like 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. I um, love Jingle All the Way. I don't like it. But um, this, they did a How Did This Get Made about this movie, and it's, it's pretty funny. But uh, the premise of this movie is that Matthew Broderick is married to Charlotte from Sex and the City, and... What? <laughs> what stop right there yeah Uh, oh matthew broderick i thought you said matthew mcconaughey i mean i heard you but in my mind i saw matthew mcconaughey no it's matthew broderick even better charlotte from second city and danny devito is married to Kristen chenoweth who i didn't mention this but she's also in four christmases as reese witherspoon's sister okay um, so yeah, Danny DeVito is married to Kristen Chenoweth, which I say is believable because they are both literally the same height. Um, That's true. They're both very small. <laughs> um, Danny DeVito is having some problems in his life and he decides that he wants to have so many lights on his house that you can see it from space. Mm, a very a la Chevy Chase. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he's neighbors with Matthew Broderick. So this causes a lot of problems between them. And it basically just turns into this movie where, like, you watch two sad middle-aged white guys, like, fight with each other, like, little kids, while their wives are like, you better stop, honey. Mm, classic. Me, honey. And it's just extremely boring. Like, I was watching this movie. It was on TV. And I literally thought it was, like, three hours long. And I looked up the runtime, and it's an hour and 30 minutes long. <laughs> so bad and boring. I, how many times does Matthew Roderick call Danny DeVito an elf? Zero times. Oh, really? I would have thought that would have been, like, the, the running theme. At some point, Matthew Broderick like, falls into some ice and freezes, and he wakes up in the back of a cab completely naked with Danny DeVito completely naked, wrapped in a blanket next to him. He's like, that's the only way to keep you warm is to human body... Heat. Ah, uh, yes. To be like a the, moment. the the 2000s, like the early aughts, like rife with you know homophobic. homophobic. Yeah. yeah, like I'm I'm a man and I'm next to you and you're also a man and we're naked. Like this is the craziest thing that will ever happen. Don't yeah. tell anyone. How gross! It's like okay. So yeah. Cool. In order not to be a grinch, I found some pros. There's a live camel. Nice. Um, Kristen Chenoweth sings at the end. Ah, she does have a lovely voice. She sure does. Okay, moving on to the next one, which is one that I actually liked a lot as a child. It's a little obscure. So, and also it's, I'm older than all of you. So I don't know if any of you have seen this, but it's called. You're older than every living person. (laughs) I'm sure I'm older than everyone that listens to this podcast. Um, (laughs) Santa Claus the movie came out in the 80s, and it was on TV all the time when I was a kid, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It got very low reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and as I was reading the plot on Wikipedia, I was like, this sounds fucking psychotic, but... <laughs> um, so I don't really know if I love it as an adult, 
but as a child, I was obsessed with it. So the premise is Santa is overworked because the population is exploding because it's the 80s, you know, mm. big thing that everyone was talking about. Um, so he has two of his elves compete for the role of assistant. Um, one of his elves is Dudley Moore. Nice. And the other elf is somebody else. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> Unknown. Basically, I can't even get so deep into the plot because it's so convoluted and insane. So I'm just going to like, I'm going to give you guys a bare like skim, but I'm leaving out so much crazy shit. But essentially the competition. So Dudley Moore is the elf that wants to do mass production and the other elf wants to do like handmade shit. Um, So Dudley Moore actually wins because he makes more faster, but his stuff is poor quality. So it all ends up breaking. Um, So he... Santa's like, I'm mad at you. So he's like, fine, I'm leaving. And he moves to New York and ends up (laughs) working for a big toy factory headed up by John Lithgow. Um, The toy factory is in trouble because they're having all these lawsuits against them because all their toys like kill children or like hurt children. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So somehow he manages to team up with Dudley Moore and Dudley Moore makes this like special food for the children that makes people fly he uses the reindeer feed to make a sucker um and yeah it's crazy and then a bunch of weird shit happens and eventually they're mass producing these suckers and candy canes and what they find out is that if the candy canes are exposed to heat they explode (laughs) (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so rather than like do a recall John Lithgow's plan is to like run away to the South America and just have Dudley Moore take the blame <laughs> for all the dead children. Lithgow, not cool, man. I know. Gotta fucking. He show does. Up. He's really like he's great. He plays like this evil guy. He's like chewing a cigar in every scene. It's pretty good. Um, so a whole bunch of crazy other shit ends up happening. There's like a whole other plot with two orphan children that are like picked up by Santa Claus for unclear reasons and like mm. are hanging out with them. They Suspect. basically, the children, the orphan children help save the day. And the end of this movie is John Lithgow ends up floating in space for eternity. Like the bad guys in <laughs> Superman two. And, <laughs> and Santa mm-hmm. adopts the two orphan scamps and they just live at the North Pole. I just did a spit take <laughs> when you said scamps. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a wild ride. and I can't wait to watch it. The pros for this are that it is actually anti-capitalist, you know? Absolutely. And I was just thinking that. Dudley Moore and 80s New York. The cons are the plot is psychotic and convoluted but as a child i loved it (laughs) and i just have a couple of honorable mentions that i felt needed to be talked about quickly uh one is mixed nuts which is a Nora efron joint yeah it sure is a Nora efron joint (laughs) i want to love that movie because i love Nora efron but man that is not a good movie bad you know it's actually based on a french movie that i'm sure is much better um because it is bad it's a bad movie like truly unwatchable I didn't even realize it was based on a French movie. A lot of Nora Ephron's films are derivative of other things. That's mm. fine. It's fine. Do whatever you gotta do, girl. Um, but yeah, the French movie is supposed to be good. It's, I think the French one's a little bit darker because mm-hmm. they do, in fact, work at a suicide hotline. That's the whole premise. 
Um, right. It's really yeah, just com- about Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah, he's a mixed nut. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the the um, the Rotten Tomatoes rating for that movie is ten percent. Yeah, it stinks. The other one is Santa Claus Three, which is the mm. Tim Allen Santa Claus franchise. Sure. And you know what? I gotta say, as someone who's had to, these movies are always on, like starting in like October. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen Santa Claus Three the most because that's one that they always put on. I don't know why they always put the shittiest movies on TV. Why? My God, why? But the premise of that is that Martin Short plays Jack Frost, who for some reason wants to take Santa Claus's role and have all ultimate power of Santa Claus, which is not that much power. Um, Stay in your lane, Jack Frost. But this is, I thought that this critic consensus is pretty funny. Um, They say, playing Jack Frost is an evil cross between Liza Minnelli and Liberace. Martin Short is a welcome presence. (laughs) 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 that's funny yeah um but this tired series continues drawing on its bag of bland gags and dumb stuff yeah so the first Santa Claus is like barely good yeah the second one is not very good and they made I've I've never seen any of I think I saw the first one when I was a kid but I don't remember it um the next one I have on here is Jingle All the Way one that you like I do like that because you know that I love Arnold dearly yeah his silly accent it's another movie about middle-aged people, men, acting like children. Totally. And, like, it's also, I mean, a pro, <clears throat> both pro and anti. I mean, it's showing the, the you know, the perils of capitalism, but also. It's also just, like. Kind of pro-capitalist. The same thing with the Santa Claus and the same thing with, um, oh, you know what I forgot to mention? Oh, I can't believe I forgot this one. The Snowman. I don't know if I've seen that. That's where, um, <laughs> hold on. I want to see if I can find a consensus on this. Well, snowman, while you're, while you're looking that up, oh, wait, go ahead. Talk about the snowman. So the premise of this movie is that, um, Michael Keaton. Oh, dies. yes. He's a musician who dies and he gets reincarnated <laughs> as a super creepy <laughs> snowman and like has to like help his son. I don't know. It's psychotic. And I should have I wish I would have done a review of that. Actually, it didn't even show up on this list of worst Christmas movies. Okay, um, well maybe we can do it like a little a little tag along to our next episode. <laughs> and we can also talk about multiplicity since this is now a movie podcast. Can I please add a movie that I think is terrible? You can when I'm finished <clears throat> my list. Okay, uh, great. <laughs> so, the other one that I have that I had never even heard of before because it sucks so bad, but it was on TV the other day. It's a claymation movie. From 1979, that's Rudolph and Frosty's Xmas in July. So, wow. they take Rudolph the claymation guy and Frosty the snowman the claymation guy, and they put them together in one show. And the premise is, is that it's summertime, and they're working at the circus, and it just doesn't make any sense. And I was very offended by it, and I did not like it, and I hate whoever made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you tell us how you really feel? And then the final one is, I've never heard of this before, but I just thought it was hilarious. Um, it's called The Nutcracker 3D. It's from 2010. It stars oh. Nathan Lane and Elle Fanning and it ha- and John Turturro. Hello. Wow. Turturro? Turturro. Turturro. Uh, it has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's very low. I believe that might be the lowest rating <laughs> that you can get. <laughs> it says, 
that it's misguided, misconceived, and misbegotten on every level. The Nutcracker 3D is a stunning exercise in astonishing cinematic wrongheadedness. <laughs> holy, holy guacamole. I'm going to get to watching that immediately. So the worse a movie is, to be honest, the more I want to watch it. A 0% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, I have to find out what went so terribly wrong. Yeah. The other final one I have to put in there is the Polar Express because it's so fucking terrifying. It's very scary. It, the animation is ter- is absolutely horrifying. It is not okay. It's wrong. Tom it's, Hanks, <laughs> deplorable that you participated in this. Well, we already know that Tom Hanks from some previous episodes is a monster. He is not America's <laughs> sweetheart. He's a cruel, <laughs> evil man. <laughs> and you can't trust him. The movie that I want to mention um, is called Trapped in Paradise. I remember seeing it maybe when I was in my teens. I decided last night that I'd pay $3.99 to watch it again. Oh, does that have Steve? uh... Who's in it? It is three people that I like. Nicolas Cage, John Lovitz, and Dana Carvey. But it's not funny. It's You thought that Steve Buscemi was Dana Carvey, didn't you? No, there's another kind of similarly titled movie that, that, I can't remember the name of this guy, the blonde guy from That Thing You Do. (laughs) Oh, Steve Zahn! Steve Zahn is in the movie that I'm thinking of. Oh, I love Steve Zahn. He's great. I wish that Steve Zahn had gotten more acclaim. However, Steve Zahn is probably perfectly comfortable where he is. He can go around being unnoticed, not -hmm. not hounded by the paparazzi like Princess Diana. And yet, people like us get to say, I love Steve Zahn. (laughs) And his last name starts with a Z. There's some movie that he's in where he, like, spends the whole movie in, like, freezing cold in a car. Just, like, Something's going on, but I don't know what, because I can't remember the name of it. The Icicle Man? (laughs) Yep, that's it. (laughs) Okay, let's take a break, and we'll come back after these messages. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch. The Hearst family has raised cattle on California's Central Coast since 1865. Today, Hearst Ranch's signature product is their 100% grass-fed, completely hormone and antibiotic-free beef. The Hearst Ranches have always treated their animals with great care. Their cattle live a completely natural existence as foragers and grazers. Well-managed grazing fertilizes the land naturally, sustains a seasonal rhythm to the ranches, and produces a remarkable meat whose flavor is the authentic taste of the American West. Hearst Ranch beef is available seasonally, May through August, in select Whole Food markets throughout California, and all year round at their retail locations in San Simeon and Paso Robles. And now, HRN listeners in Arizona, Nevada, and California can get Hearst Ranch beef delivered right to their door through Larder Meat Company. Go to lardermeatco.com and shop the 100% grass-fed box to stock your freezer with Hearst Ranch beef. That's L-A-R-D-E-R, meatco.com. Learn more about the storied history, farming practices, and conservation efforts of Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. And guess what? Hmm. We're back. We're back oh, yeah. from the break. We have arrived back here. Now, Nicole, when we originally spoke about this, I was planning on doing a history of Christmas in America. 
And then I realized that that is a little bit boring and a lot of research. (laughs) You said it was hilarious. Well, there were some funny parts. So (laughs) I took those funny parts and I'm going to start off with that. And then I'm going to get into what I really want to talk about. Because I was like, you know what? Like, you got to talk about movies that you think are terrible but funny. And I want to talk about a movie, too, because this is slowly transitioning away from being a food and drink podcast to being a movie podcast. (laughs) So get ready for it. Okay. So I'm going to start off by talking a little bit about the history of Christmas in America. I got my information today from foodandfilm.com, a very good article on medium.com called The Weird History of Christmas in America by Sam Ursu. And that's basically it. <clears throat> so, and Wikipedia, of course. Bless your hearts, Wikipedia. Donate to them. So brief history of Christmas in America. Um, so, Nicole, the Puritans. Love them or hate them. What do you know about them? Uh, They seem super boring and super pure and like totally morons because they all like starved to death here in America when they got here. Exactly. They sucked. Um, And guess what else? They didn't like Christmas. Rude. They, it is rude. They didn't like Christmas, you would think, because they were so religious that they would have loved Christmas. But Christmas wasn't really a thing that people were celebrating in America until, like, the 1800s. Yeah, um, I know. I learned about this when I watched the history of Ebenezer Scrooge or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone was a Scrooge, basically. We're, like, we, like, point a finger at Scrooge, but really everyone was like that. Um, <laughs> across the pond and right here at home on our own soil. <laughs> So some top activities that people liked in New England during Christmas time, those wacky New Englanders, were firing guns into the air, getting incredibly drunk, having sex with people, including people that they were not married to, mummering, I'm going to tell you what that is in just a moment, <clears throat> and not going to work. Chain, or sorry, mummering? Mummering. Not murmuring, not muddling. Mummering. Okay. okay. Now, mummering, like no, no, now okay. mum, mummering is what the Puritans dislike the most because mummering, or sometimes known as mumming, uh, involved dressing up as an animal or cross-dressing. Particularly pop- popular was men dressing up as women. Love now, it. there was always, this is a quote, there was always some evidence of skullduggery as part of the mummering tradition, according, and I wrote, according to a haunted source. Skullduggery, huh? Skullduggery is really just, like, troublemaking. Got it. Which is, I feel like, a word we don't use nearly enough. It's very long. There's a lot of Gs in it, but it's a very good word. Um, Okay, so in, like, the mid-Atlantic states, like, Pennsylvania and Maryland and New York, well, New York is kind of a northern state, but whatever, they would have a tradition called a Calathumpian Parade. And on the parade, participants would bang pots and pans and they'd blow trumpets and horns and set off firecrackers and make tons of noise and go from house to house doing skull fuckery. Oh, sorry. Skull drudgery. Um, <laughs> they weren't fucking skulls. They would skull fuck everyone. It's Merry Christmas time. Bring out your skulls. Um, they'd just like go bar hopping. They'd get like everyone would just get wasted. It was a time to get very drunk. Got and Love they would also do uh, wassailing. Do you know about wassailing? I thought it was wassailing. Well, I say wassailing. You say wassailing. Like, Tomato. here we come a wassailing. Oh, I sang. Sorry. I broke the uh, cardinal rule of the podcast. Uh, uh, oh, look at you. Look at you singing on the podcast, you little nut. You little mixed nut. You little Ted Bundy. Okay. So another tradition was for people to go wassailing. Wassailing? That's what you say? 
Yeah, well, that's what the song says. Sure, sure. Could you sing it for us just one more time so we know how it goes? No. Okay. Another tradition was to go wassling, which is where um, poor would visit the homes of the wealthy and demand food, drink, and money, which I'm super into, and I think people should still be doing that. Like Halloween. Exactly. It's almost exactly like Halloween. So let's flash forward to 19, uh, excuse me, to 1898 when the first Christmas movie was made called The Santa Claus, or actually just Santa Claus. And in my notes to myself, I wrote boring. It was terrible. Two thumbs down. <laughs> I mean, early mo- early film is really just like, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Well, I like to watch it sometimes. They have silent movie Sundays on Turner Classic Movies, if anyone's interested. <laughs> if anyone just wants to slip right into old age. Um, no, I mean, I agree. Sometimes silent movies can be cool. This was very basic. I mean, it was one of the first movies, period, ever made. And it was definitely the first Christmas movie ever made. But... We're going to go ahead and we're going to fast forward exactly 90 years later, the year 1988. Here comes the greatest Christmas movie ever made, released in the middle of the summer, Die Hard. Die Hard is directed by John McTiernan. You might also know him from The Last Action Hero, Predator, and The Hunt for Red October. So this guy makes fun action films. All great movies. So Nicole, this brings us to our debate on the internet and beyond in the streets sometimes in people's own homes is die hard a christmas movie yes okay i agree i also think what's the fucking big deal (laughs) why do people want to say it's not a christmas movie it's a movie that like is very much there's christmas in, in almost every scene well i guess it depends on what your definition of christmas movie is right well, like, I don't think they made Die Hard in terms of being like, this is a Christmas movie. But it's definitely a movie that's extremely Christmas-centric and you want to watch at Christmas time. Yeah, I think that the thing is, is like, Christmas is just, it just happens to take place at Christmas, but nothing about the movie. They don't even mention Christmas, I don't think, at all. Except for... Oh, they mention it a lot. Oh. They mention so like, it a lot. They keep being like, it's Christmas! Why are you robbing us? Yeah, there's a crisp. They're at a Christmas party. There's Christmas decorations. There's like Christmas no, you, puns in it. No, you, there's Christmas food. But you don't. They don't mention it. Nobody mentions it. Is what I'm saying. You see mm. all the Christmas, but it's just in the background. They talk about Christmas a bunch, but like, I think it's definitely a Christmas movie. And also, like, who cares if people want to think it's a Christmas movie? It's a Christmas movie. If you're that kind of person who's like Die Hard is in a Christmas movie. I don't know. We don't have that much to talk about after I that. I feel like it's become like a hip thing to be like, no, it's a Christmas movie. But right. um, I don't think they talk about Christmas a bunch in this movie because I've seen it a lot. I I'm just, just saying don't. they mention it several times. They're like, it's Christmas <laughs> Eve. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Are you going to get to see your kids for Christmas? I mean, it's certainly they're not trying to hide it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> they're not keeping Christmas Eve a secret. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But you know what it really is, Nicole? It's really a love story between Bruce Willis and Carl Winslow, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Reginald, Reginald Vell Johnson. A.k.a. the dad from Family Matters. Yes, a.k.a. he was born August 16th, 1952. And I just want to tell you something about Reginald Vell Johnson. First of all, his name used to be Reginald Vell space Johnson, and he changed it to be all one word to be more noticeable. And I think it works. And he is a great actor. Um, and he is also played a police officer in like 20 other movies that he's been in, including Ghostbusters, Turner and Hooch, Ryan Hansen Solves Crimes, Girl Meets World, Chuck, One of Rowan, Plain Clothes, Kojak, and of course, most notably as Carl Winslow in 
the hit series Family Matters on ABC. I also think that it could be <laughs> a small. I just love the the kid in the limousine. Also, he's like I'm my favorite. He's amazing, and then he like ends up like running. Like the end, he like kills one person, or we don't even know if he kills him. But he like knocks him out. He like runs his limousine into finally gets to participate and do something, and then punches the guy in the face. Yeah. Die Hard is just such a good movie. Like, they just don't really make action movies like that anymore. Or movies like that anymore in general. Like, with a really big star. Although Bruce Willis, as we'll come to find out, was not a big star at the time. He was but, not. That's true. Um, But, yeah, like, it's funny. It's fun to watch. The plot is easy to follow. Because um, there's not a lot of plot. There's not a lot of plot. It's just, like, I don't know. I'm not really one for, like, born movies or like mission impossible like new movies like i don't know i miss like the old kind of like like predator commando 48 hours like those kinds of fun action Ooh, I movies love commando yeah. Alyssa milano amazing amazing um, film i do like the born movies though and i also like mission impossible i like mission impossible because it's one of those movies it's just like they unapologetically just grab you from the beginning and just never stop. There's no mo- There's no downtime. There's just like always Tom Cruise is always free climbing somewhere for some reason, and then you're into it. That's true. He does like to climb around a lot. And that's fair. It's just there's some kind of element of like campiness to this that is really fun. Mm-hmm. And also the bad guys are white, and that's makes me happy to see because I feel like in so many like. Movies where there's terrorists are, like, Middle Eastern terrorists. And it's just easier to, like, I don't know, hate. Yeah. I don't You know what I mean? Like, it just. I mean, he's still, like, a foreigner. <laughs> true. But it just, it feels a lot better. Um, as a Jew, I can appreciate a bunch of German terrorists. <laughs> Sure, sure. Okay, so the plot, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, during a Christmas party at Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles, the NYPD officer who's visiting for the holiday is trying to trying to get a get something going with his wife they're separated uh officer john mcclain <clears throat> played by bruce willis attempts to save party guests who have been taken hostage by german terrorists now a little oh, enough oh, go ahead please please i this is just <clears throat> another because this is like one this is like a perfect movie so you don't ever like find out what happened between him and his wife and you don't need to know you just need to know that they're separated he's bummed out about it moving on you know like there's no backstory we don't need to flash you know it's just like it's perfect it's a perfect movie and it establishes so much like you feel they do so much with so little like you get to know the characters without them going too much in depth they have good chemistry you like bruce willis is a great actor he's really good in this it's just like everything works it's perfect whoever wrote this film is a genius um okay so bruce willis actually lost hearing in his left ear two-thirds of hearing in his left ear permanently from making this film. Um, And he was, like, the 30th choice. They wanted Arnold. They wanted Don Johnson. They wanted Richard Gere. They wanted the guy who played MacGyver. Clint Eastwood at one point was going to make this movie. And they even had contemplated at some point Frank Sinatra. He's, like, a thousand. 75 at the time. 75 years old? He was, like, in his 70s at the time, yeah. Dude, I can't, I can't even picture anyone else in this role. Bruce Willis, it's just like one of those perfect things that come together. Totally. And he's perfect. Because he's funny. Because he was a comedic actor. He was on, what was that show? Like, Moon, Moonlight? Moonlighting? Moonlighting, yeah. Um. So anyway, he was great. He got paid $5 million to do it. The movie is both 
pro-police propaganda and <laughs> anti-police propaganda at the same time. ACAB, you know? It's very interesting, though, because it's very pro, like, NYPD, like, rogue cop, like, I'm a badge. But then it's also, like, makes all of the LAPD, except for Reginald Val Johnson's character, looks like look like complete idiots. Yeah. And totally it's also bad. very anti-FBI. So... <laughs> right. Right, There's many right. things to love about this film. Although, Reginald Val Johnson, I don't know if you remember when the last time you saw this was, but, like, admits to the reason that he hasn't fired his weapon in a long time is because he's, like, accidentally shot and killed a kid because he, like, couldn't see. So it's basically, he's just, you know, doing what so many other police officers do, <laughs> irresponsibly using their weapon, but they make <laughs> us feel bad for him. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's terrible. Yeah. So... I just realized something, though. Yeah, no, go ahead. I think that maybe it's my chair that is making too much noise. Really? But mine? I think it's mine also because I switched to this comfy chair that I have in my apartment, but it is rickety as I a have mother. An incredibly uncomfortable chair, but it it's wood and it's very. Every time I move, it creaks and like makes weird farting noises. So maybe that's interesting. Listen, people, oh. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I don't give a shit. Look, this is what we have to do. We're recording from our homes. I have to be comfortable. I have to sit here for an hour and talk about die art. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be comfy. <laughs> okay? All right? Okay. You're going to have to deal with it. I'm okay. With it. So I want to quickly then now jump back into something I was going to talk about earlier, which is just like a little, little sidebar. If anyone wants to read about this, it's interesting. There's also a very good dollop episode about it. But... So I'm going to talk just because we're mentioning he was an NYPD officer. It's a big part of the plot of the movie. He mentions it like more times than he mentions it's Christmas that he's in, from the NYPD. Um, <laughs> so a little something called the Eggnog Riot. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, no. Okay. It happened, in, it happened in 1826 at West Point, um, which is like a military academy upstate New York. Um, and it's been around for a while. And they had a strict rule of no alcohol. But on the Christmas uh 1826 a few students decided to smuggle in some whiskey in order to liven up the christmas party um so one thing led to another this is a longer story but i just think this little snippet is interesting one thing led to another and a riot broke out and it broke out for like a couple of days um and it was like a really big deal like nobody died but like the students were like fighting the faculty it was like really wild and one of the participants was jefferson davis who was the future president of the confederacy um, as a result what were they of, so mad about? I mean, this is a bunch of like repressed, probably abuses children, white dudes in the fucking right. early 1800s. I mean, who knows what the sure. fuck was going on there? Um, as a result of the riots, New York organized its very first full-time professional police force. Bummer. Yeah. So I thought that was a like little interesting tidbit in there that has to do with Christmas. Okay. Nicole, are you ready? I'm going to take you through some of the very few, but very interesting food moments in Die Hard. Oh, okay, great. Okay, so in the beginning of the movie, a waiter walks around with trays of champagne and goes to John Champagne Search, which he replies, yeah, thanks, takes a glass off the tray. But it's very weird because all the champagne is, like, red. Mm. So he, like, looks at it, he takes a sip, and he puts it back on the next passing waiter's tray. Maybe it's a Cur Royale. Hmm. That's a very good point. Maybe it is a cure ale. Please, uh, makers of this film, right in. Jan de Bont. What do you think? Um, <laughs> world famous cinematographer uh, or director of photography. Anyway, John meets um, Tagaki 
Um, he asks him, can you, uh, who's like the boss who ends up like getting killed in the very beginning. Spoiler. Uh, can I get you? And he asked John, can I get you anything? Food, cake, some watered down champagne, which I think is so interesting. Cause like who waters down champagne of all things you can water down. And then why would it make it red? I think that he's saying that we have cheap champagne and cheap champagne is watered down. And red. Would they have some cream de cassis in there? Okay. Fair enough. I'm glad you're here to crack this code. So next time we see food in this movie is when Hans Gruber, which is also the greatest villain name in all of movie history, when Hans Gruber, played by uh, Britain's sweetheart, Alan Rickman, is talking to the hostages while eating a sandwich. He, Oh my God, he is eating a sandwich. That's right. Casually eating like a crustless sandwich. Also, I want to mention, this was Alan Rickman's first film ever. It was. Yeah, he was yes. already like well-known, but he was doing... Theater. theater. Yes. Theater. However, Alan Rickman, in this film at least, cannot do an accent of any kind other than his own accent. That is true. His and German accent. It. Yes, his German accent is not existent. Like once every couple words he says something vaguely German. And when he gets caught by John McClane and he's supposed to pretend to be American, he's just like, it's the one of the weirdest sounding things I've ever heard in my I entire life. I love his American accent. It makes me laugh so much. He's like, what are you doing here? Uh, yeah, smoke cigarettes. Uh, um, it's he's so... Like, he's very, like, loud. Like, it's also just, like, it's so funny. It's really funny. And then, like, when they're speaking German in the movie... That's not German. They're just speaking oh. gibberish. They think sounds like German, which is very, very offensive. Are you serious? Yeah. They're just like, yeah. It didn't bother to learn German? No. Mm-mm. Negative. Also, sidebar, in these COVID times, I would totally smash all the German bad guys, the blondes. They're Hell cute. yeah. There's some hot, hot ponytailed Germans in there. Um, okay. The next time we see a food thing is when Al Powell played by... America's favorite cop, Reginald Fel- Bell Johnson. He's getting all those Twinkies and hostess cupcakes at the convenience store. And then the clerk goes to him, I thought you guys ate just ate donuts. And then he goes, <laughs> they're for my wife. I She's was pregnant. Joke in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, they're like, <laughs> cops, donuts, put that in there. It is funny though. Um, then he gets a call. And after this is when an erotic love story between the two of them begins to unfold. Um, so later on in the film, in the film, so if anyone hasn't seen it, Reginald Vell Johnson is the first um, cop on the scene, and he starts corresponding on like the CB radio with um, uh, Bruce Willis's character, who he calls he introduces himself as Roy for some reason. We, we that's unclear. We don't know why. So, but they start to be the only they're allies. He's the only one that believes that Bruce Willis's character is not um, actually one of the terrorists. Blah blah blah. So the next time we hear about food during the Wait, film... He says that his name is Roy because he doesn't want them to find out that he's a suspended, right? Oh, right, 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 right. That makes sense. Um, okay. So then the next time we see him, uh, for reasons that are unknown, John McClane also comes... I keep wanting to say John McCain. But... <laughs> Rest in peace. All right, Faye. So later on in the film, John McClane comes across a Twinkie out of absolutely nowhere and starts eating it while he's on the radio with Al and he goes, Oh God. Ugh. And Al responds, Roy, Roy, you all right. And then John goes, just trying to down a thousand year old Twinkie. What are they putting these things anyway? To which Al replies, sugar, enriched flour, 
partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, polysorbate 60, and yellow dye number five. Just everything that a growing boy needs. <laughs> what? I definitely don't remember that part. <laughs> and it's so sexy. And they have all these other moments that are so, like, romantic, which is fine. It's just interesting. I love that they're in love. It's very sweet, but that really is more what like, I think the takeaway movie uh, takeaway from this film is. So anyway, moving on to some other food moments. There's a moment where one of the terrorists starts eating a crunch bar as he's waiting to like kill a bunch of FBI agents, and then later on, product, product, so much product placement in there. And there's like a Motorola product placement. There's like candy product placement. There's Coke. Later on, the same guy is eating a Mars bar. Um, and then that led me to want to ask you, what do you reach for when you're all fired up getting ready to kill some FBI agents? Not a crunch bar. I know, so loud. They're going to hear you. I feel like I would definitely, like, the if the propaganda commercial that I think works the best is, like, hungry, why wait? Grab a Snickers, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. sure, sure. Because it has like protein. The, the nougat is soft, so they're not going to hear you crunching on it although peanuts are crunchy nicole that's true that's true i'm more of like i would tend to like probably smoke a cigarette kind of guy than eat a chocolate candy bar from in a tense situation but who am i to say (laughs) i'm not yom de bond (laughs) (laughs) okay the next thing is when this schmaltzy asshole ellis um played by hart bachner Oh my god, I love this guy. He does this part so well. This guy should get an Oscar. He's great. He started his career in uh, Islands in the Stream, which was based on the Hemingway book. And he as he gets a glass of Coca Cola where he while he's waiting, uh, radioing John. He's high on Coke. He's drinking Coke, and that is all the food scenes that takes place in the movie Die Hard. But wait, there's oh, more. You know who else I love in that movie is the Boom. the bat like the annoying guy that gets killed that's him that's what we're talking about oh that is him okay great that's so, him then he gets shot in the face because yes, his whole does. plan doesn't work oh, right, out he does co- that's right he should have been played by kenneth Branagh. although this guy is excellent i would never replace him he does this guy him. is very good he's like hans booby <laughs> <laughs> such a schmaltzy which is like another thing I love about this film. It's like depicting the like, you know, shitty like 80s corporate stooge and like a really, it's just, I don't know. It's just good. Okay. It's funny so, though because like a, a major movie corporation, which is itself like an evil corporation, is like saying negative things about evil corporations. I know. It's very, in, in a movie full of like shills for like product placement. Um. Okay. So then I got very into like, researching some theme ideas that people decided to do for diehard themed party parties okay good. so this person who wrote on food and film um like they wrote a bunch of the they highlighted a bunch of these food moments that i just read to you and then they wrote for their own party now i just want to make clear i'm not making fun of these people i think anything people do is funny but i mean it's good but this is just it, i thought it was funny so for my quote, for my vegan diet, my vegan diehard food pairing, I decided to create my own menu, a Nakatomi Christmas party. And seeing <laughs> as Nakatomi is a Japanese company, I went with a selection of mostly Asian inspired hors d'oeuvres, including spring rolls, crispy vegetable pouches, gyoza, and the enduring party favorite, crab cakes. Is it Bear crispy mind, vegetable- they're vegan. <laughs> is a crispy vegetable pouch just an empanada? No, I have no fucking clue what it is. But the point is they made crab cakes and they're vegan. So they're not, they don't understand what a crab is. It's an animal 
person. A lot of crab, like in sushi, like crab rangoon, or not sushi, but in Chinese food, I guess. Mm. Crab rangoon is made with imitation crab. That's still made with fish. That's true. You're right. So this person, this person, (laughs) I'm right when I'm right, I'm right. And I'm right right now (laughs) Um, to round out the menu. I dusted off my Twinkie pan and made some vegan Twinkies for dessert, as well as had glasses of both champagne and almond nog complete with a candy cane garnish because it's a Christmas party after all. That's pretty, pretty tame, but get ready. Hold on to your butt for this one. Okay. Okay. She made Twinkies at home. Yeah. I think that's impressive. Yeah. All right. I think it's impressive, and I would be willing to do it myself. Now, yeah, this is going to be disturbing to you. This is from MenchedUp.com. They decided to have a party, and they I'm going to read some snippets from what they made. They said, the obvious choice for dinner was dyed hard shell tacos. Okay. <laughs> the obvious choice. Okay. That was the obvious choice. So they got some, like, um, like Kruger, like, dusted, nacho-dusted hard shell tacos and they said they mostly eat natural food so this was difficult for them and i'm like you don't didn't have to eat this also <laughs> like, if you mostly eat natural foods i don't know how this was the most obvious choice it never would have occurred to me and i'd eat unnatural foods absolutely it seems but they really were they went with the dyed theme the whole thing was dyed so then the natural companion for dyed hard shell tacos is dyed hard lemonade <laughs> okay that i can get down with Sure. To fill that requirement, we went with Mike's hard cranberry lemonade because Chris because Christmas and cranberries go hand in hand. They sure do. Sure do. So we followed the dyed. Now this is where things go really off the rails for me personally. We followed the dyed hard shell tacos with some delicious Christmas themed red and green dyed hard boiled eggs with a little bit of paprika sprinkled on top. Nope. Guys, come on, guys. You. F- uh, the taco is the is the main course. If you're going to eat dyed hard-boiled eggs with only paprika, that's an appetizer. That's an appetizer. That's an appetizer. You don't also, eat a taco even, and then a hard-boiled egg. It didn't even make fucking deviled eggs? No! Hard-boiled eggs? Yes, because they put this quote in there right after. You know what they say? You can't make eggs without breaking a few eggs. <laughs> Otherwise, they'd call it easy-boiled eggs. But that's no. not the right quote. These Folks, people need to go to jail. Exactly. Look, this somebody call the somebody called Carl Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> we have a crime against food. Um, for dessert, we made this is gonna really upset you, I know, on multiple <laughs> levels. For dessert, we made some dyed hard candy, which we then smashed and sprinkled over whipped cream and what? hard wait, 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 wait. And a hard chocolate shell. Over some delicious homemade peanut butter ice cream. What the hell are they fucking talking about? <laughs> I don't know. This is okay, unnecessarily so took, elaborate. They're like, we took hard dyed candy and then we just put it on something that we were already going to eat anyway. Exactly. The dyed hard candy was loose, loosely meant to look like the glass after McLean walks over it barefoot, broken, bloody, and all over everywhere. These people... I they need to go to prison for life. I know they're in serious fucking trouble. Now it's not over. To accompany the movie, <laughs> we had a dyed hard. They just couldn't think out of the dyed hard. Like they needed to like expand their brain box. Also, to dyed a- hard isn't even a thing. They really put themselves in an impossible corner, and they did not succeed. Well, they tried to eat their way out of it. Uh, to accompany the movie, we had a dyed hard cider with Fireball dyed in house. <laughs> 
Some like cider and fireball in a higher ratio, but we settled at two ounces of fireball per pint of dry cider. We're not in college anymore, and we don't need that kind of firepower. What are you talking about? That's a drink's worth it. That's a cocktail in your fucking pint of disgusting hard cider. Yeah. So then I felt so upset by their bad punnery that I decided to come up with some of my own before the show. First of all, I just want to remind everyone that these people ate tacos, then they had some hard-boiled eggs, then... (laughs) They took peanut butter ice cream, put a hard chocolate shell on it, put hard candy on top of that. And whipped cream. And then they had Mike's Hard Lemonade, and then they had Fireball and Cider. I know. I know. We're dealing with some real criminally-minded people. This is probably Hans Gruber himself. I really do want to start a cider company called Insider. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that will go perfectly with my dish, the John McPain which is a filet fish filled with nails and staples. Oh, God. <laughs> and then we could follow it up with... <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to be able to say this. I okay. laughed out loud to myself earlier. Okay. <sighs> we could have for dessert a Flans Goobers. <laughs> which is <laughs> so goober. Goober-infused goober? flan. Ew. Are goobers just chocolate-covered peanuts? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Flans Goobers? You know, Come it, on. Sounds like, it sounds like an episode of a of a cooking show where you have to like you have to do <laughs> die hard things. So this they're like we died hard taco shows. All we could come up with in ten seconds before we had to make it. Exactly, but good luck because now I'm on the case and I'm a master of puns. So I've got more. Okay. <clears throat> My next one is this is a thinker. It's called the juice fill this. Instead of Bruce Willis, which is just a juice glass demanding to be filled with juice. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, and then we have the L.A. Pedialyte, which is Pedialyte, which is filled, infused with the blood of innocent, unarmed child victims. Yeah. And we finished it off with a champagne sundae as an homage to their died hard sundae, which is Twinkies, Crunch Bars, a sandwich, a Mars bar, a Coke, cocaine, topped with watered-down champagne, and eaten yes. with broken glass shards. Disgusting. Okay. So those, that's my story. <laughs> that's it. Great. Um, I do want to mention something uh, that I maybe have mentioned on the podcast before, but um, when I was working at my nonprofit job, one of my coworkers came up with the greatest Halloween costume of all time, which is just a gray sweatshirt where they wrote with marker, now I have a machine gun, ho, 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 and a Santa hat. And That's that very good. good. It's so good. That's very, very good. That's but very I Googled good. it because I couldn't remember if he said machine gun or just gun, and they're actual, like, you can buy a sweatshirt that says, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. That's very good. I was looking at a Reddit thread earlier about someone who was like, they're like, I'm having a... Uh, I'm having a movie club night and I need it's diehard theme like what should I do and then a bunch of people wrote in someone wrote Nakatomi pizza yippee uh, cayenne or something or another and then this woman wrote back thank you Nakatomi pizza I like it but maybe pepperoni in the shape of a tower (laughs) what is that and then somebody wrote yippee kai cakes motherfucker and another That's person That's wrote better than died hard. And then this other person wrote Yippee Kaye Mother Clucker as some kind of spicy chicken. Oh, hell yeah. These and this person and this person wrote 
Ooh, I love the mother clocker. <laughs> and, uh, and then someone else wrote, make everyone take off their shoes or to, and make fists with their feet on the carpet or, or get a dummy covered in blood on a rolling desk chair with now I have a machine gun ho 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 written on it uh, by the front door. Okay, well, that's... Which, this might have been written by your coworker, and then one other person wrote, yippee ki Mother Custard. <laughs> <laughs> and someone else wrote, ho-ho-ho hummus. <laughs> These are great, crowdsourcing, it really works. <laughs> uh, it does. But nothing compares to my favorite of all time, written by myself, Flans Goober. <laughs> Flans Goobers is pretty good. I have to get you. Don't feel that. Blondes Goobers? We're putting that in our diehard theme restaurant. (laughs) Oh my God. This was very funny. So, questione to you. We decided that we'd share our favorite favorite diehard movies, one through six. Just kidding. Our favorite Christmas adjacent movies, but not technically quote unquote a Christmas movie. What are yours? Okay, I have four, not three. Amazing. That's fine. I have While You Were Sleeping. Ah, yes. So good. So good. Sandy B. Call me. Uh, Gremlins. Amazing. Meet Me in St. Louis. Haven't seen it yet. What? I haven't seen it yet. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm planning on watching it this week. Judy Garland is rolling over in her grave. And then (laughs) I have Black Christmas, which definitely it has Christmas in the title, but it's a slasher horror movie. So I'll allow it. It's great. Also, everyone should watch Black Christmas on Christmas Eve. That's what I'm going to do because I'm going to be so depressed. (laughs) I know. I'm just like barely fighting off depression. And last night when I like watched Trapped in Paradise, it really started to seep in. But then I I woke up this morning and went for a long run. And there it goes back into its hiding place. But (laughs) you never know. Um, Okay. My top three Die Hard number one, Batman Returns. Oh, yeah. Which is a Christmas movie. And Edward Scissorhands. Oh, right. That's so cute. What a great movie. Such a great movie. I think, do we think Tim Burton has like a a Christmas fetish? Like a creepy, like he needs to wear like a Santa suit when he's getting his DS'd. Well, does he have a lot of Christmas suit? He does The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's three Christmas movies. What's the second, what's the second one? Oh, Batman Batman. and Edward Scissorhands. Sure, he has another one. Sleepy Hollow, that's a Halloween movie. (laughs) Although I'm sure it's Christmas at some point in Sleepy Hollow. Am I right? <laughs> well, in the actual town, sure. That's right. Right about now, it's Christmas time in Sleepy Hollow. Hey, all our Sleepy Hollow listeners, please call into the show and let us know what you know about Tim Burton's fetishes. Here, I do have a question on, this is going to be great for our listeners and for me. On air, as a working professional, is my forearm scar going to burn? Or, sorry, is my forearm burn going to scar? Depends. I mean, you could use Aquaphor. Um, there's like some other kind of things that you could put on it, but it might. It depends. Yeah, I've had. What, a- what are the other things? Because I've heard that, that they told me at the restaurant when I used to work because everyone would get burned in the kitchen all the time, and they all had horrific scars on their forearms. And I don't really want to. I want to be pure and no scars. Well, I will say that I've burned my forearms many, 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 many times. Yeah. And I don't have, I have a lot of other scars from injuries, but like, I don't have the line scars that you get from like the oven on my arms. Yeah. I guess it depends on the kind of skin that you have. Um, 
But I have a lot of other scars. I don't know what it is about that, I guess. Like, just I be careful. My forearm skin is so thin. I, you could see the blister forming, like, instantaneously. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I got a, I have some scars that have really lasted. You know what will happen last – when I was in Italy last summer – I got a very, very, very bad burn oh, on my hand. Oh, I remember that. That was gnarly. It was really terrible. It was like the whole top of my hand was like one giant blister. It was very bad. But it doesn't – you can never see it now, but you can see it when it's cold out. Like if I'm out in the cold oh, or – like, Yeah, you can see the two different tones. Yeah, so that's like kind of the worst of that. I don't – I think it'll be fine. It's going to be fine. It's also just like it's really – I haven't burnt myself in a long time. It doesn't actually even hurt anymore, which is – thank God, because that's the whole cheating with burns, is the burning – uh, no shit. There was one time at Brucey where like I had a pan that was underneath. I'm sure I've told you this story, but for our listener, um, I had a pan that was sitting underneath the flame and like, I was just so tired. And normally you grab pans in a kitchen with your towel because the handles are hot, but I was just not, I was out of it. It was right at the beginning of service. And I grabbed this pan handle that had been sitting under a flame for like five minutes and oh it like stuck to my hand. And I like, it was at 5 p.m., like right when we opened and there was no one else to fill in. And it was my right hand and I'm right-handed. And so I flung the pan into the sink. I screamed my whole palm of my hand was one big giant blister, like a huge raised blister. And I had to work the rest of the night and I just got fucking wasted and I could barely get through service. And Jenny was so upset with me. My parents had to come in. It was really messed up. It was like, and I remember praying for death because I'm like, the only way this pain will go away is if I die and I can't handle this anymore. I know. I'm, I, I'm actually like a big baby about being incapacitated in any way and like lingering pain. I'm just like, just stop. I get it. Like, it hurt. like when you cut yourself, it hurts yeah. really bad for like, you know, 20 minutes to an hour. Right. But then it kind of like fades away. But yes. with burning pain, it's just like always there. Yeah. It's absolutely horrible. And I had to like, do 200 covers yeah <laughs> also i, I was just, like, like this blister is so unattractive but it, it's like it's like a thick blister so sorry to gross everyone out hope you're not eating your dinner right now um mm, bite it right bite right into that sushi roll <laughs> thick blisters i thought it would pop last night when i was sleeping but it's it hasn't it's just like going strong while you were sleeping and while then you'd wake sleeping. up and bill pullman would be your boyfriend <laughs> like bill pullman I, re- I was reading something about while you were sleeping recently um and they were like i just want bill pullman and his thin thin lips to kiss me and i was like ew <laughs> he does have thin lips but he i'm does. attracted to him you know what he's sexy in that movie though yeah he sure is but then he's the sexy in that movie and i can never be attracted to him ever again agreed i mean he was Not very compassionate shame just because like you know he didn't age as well as i would have hoped for for us sure he's no bill Pul- he's no bill pullman no he paxton <laughs> like he is bill pullman. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst insult to like tell somebody who they are that you're not they're not themselves yeah, you are paxton no bill pullman has extremely thin lips because he's a skeleton well that's true bill paxton technically has no lips r.i.p honestly this is almost going too far because i love bill paxton <laughs> I'm sorry. He's a he's like just my kind of guy. He's like a kind of rugged, like you know, bad actor, bad actor. You know, marches to the beat of his own drum. I just love but my whatever. Favorite, he's dead. My favorite scene of Bill Paxton being a bad actor is in Twister, where he's like having the final romantic scene with Helen Helen Hunt. Hunt. Mm-hmm. He's like, "It's you, Joe. It's you," and you're just like, it's, "I don't." It's always been you. Him. 
feels anything for this woman and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> These two people hate each other. They, no they just met and you can tell. no chemistry, but it's, I don't, for some reason it doesn't, I mean, obviously it doesn't matter because what we're here for is tornadoes. Well, what I'm really here for in that movie is her like amazing Gap, vintage Gap 90s fashion. Oh my God. And her Banana Republic and Gap. Also, yes, dude. Harry she looks amazing. So good. Yes, he's also great. Um, well, this was an amazing episode. I'm going to go and I'm going to make um, some... I have like a bunch of Christmas cookies I've been making for like, different people. And, well, you know, I had different people in mind and I made different Christmas cookies for different people. And so yeah, um, the different kinds that I have are Mexican wedding cookies, which are little like walnut cookies that are tossed in powdered sugar. Those are delicious. I made I made some soft chewy almond cookies. Yeah. Um, which came out very nicely. Yeah, they were very nice. Um, and then I made uh some rye chocolate chip cookies. Oh right, you said you told me. And yes, I just I made them again. They're they're quite good. And then I also made um what the fuck? I made four kinds. What's the other cookie? I don't remember oh. the other cookie. Oh, lavender uh, sage and lavender shortbreads. Oh, cute! That's very cute. I um yeah. Also, I have a whole plan with my sister who is probably not coming home now, which is very upsetting. But I was going to make a lot of cookies just to like have something to do. Um, we were mm-hmm. our plan was to make grapefruit bars, which are so good. Have you ever had those? Ooh, no, I haven't. They're just obviously lemon bars, but with grapefruit. They're just like, they're tangy. They're that just sounds great. good. Grapefruit bars. We were going to make um, these um, soft gingerbread with lemon cream sandwich cookies. Ooh, and yum. I know. And I probably will still make some of these on my own. And then um, I have a really wonderful sugar cookie recipe that I, it's just plain soft sugar cookies and then also molasses cookies. You've told me about these soft sugar cookies, and I'm expecting a recipe immediately because I love a plain soft sugar cookie. Me too. It's like my favorite thing. I I can barely stop myself from eating all the dough when I make it because it's just like it's very simple. It's like vanilla and salt, kind of. <laughs> mm. The combination. Is Yum. That sounds so good. Are you shipping good. these to people, or you're just like giving them off? In because I my friend was like, um, oh, you send me some cookies in. Tacoma and in Austin but I'm like I don't really know anything about shipping cookies except for that I've had them shipped to me before and it didn't really go that great when I got them you know interesting oh I um I've given them to everybody except one one batch of cookies I I did ship that was a special batch but everyone else I'm just kind of giving giving to people like my neighbors talk about this later but I was just like yeah this is boring for How did I store them in a, in a, I think the best way to store anything you want to keep super fresh is in a quart container, like a, or a pint container. But for the ones I gave out to like people in my build, like my upstairs neighbor who I love. And I brought some to the people at the laundromat because the woman at the laundromat is honestly one of the most bright light women, like amazing women I've ever met. I love her so much. So I brought her some, um, in mini Chinese takeout containers. Oh, that's cute. But I just feel like they're the really cute, and that's thing is like they tend to like start to taste like each other. So I just don't know how to sort of. Oh, just put them in an airtight quart and pine containers. That's the best way to okay. ship something. I was just picturing a beautiful cookie box where you open it, and all the cookies are in there together. 
Well, look, it's like, do you want a beautiful cookie box or do you want a cookie that doesn't taste like some other fucking cookie? It's the choice I of yours. I want both. <laughs> you can't have everything, Nicole. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening um, to this, this end of conversation about the holiday cookie experience. I think it was great. This is the kind of things people want to hear. Um, it's very special. It's it's nice to, it feels nice to make cookies for people yes. who you care about. I will say that. It's a very heartening experience. And when everything else feels so kind of shitty uh, out there, like if we can find those little things that bring us a little hope and joy, that's that's a good thing, I think. No, Notice that I have not told you that I'm sending you any cookies. <laughs> oh, no. That's fine. I, that's fine. I'm, I'm just, getting some from my friends. I am sending you a piece of vintage clothing, clothing though. Same for okay. you. Okay. I love you so much. And um, I'm going to give you a call so we can talk for hours after this episode. And uh, okay. hasta la pasta. And yippee oh, kaye, motherfuckers. Wait, should we tell everyone yeah. that we're taking a break? <laughs> oh, yes. We're on break. We're on break. Next week will be a re-air of our Christmas episode from last year. So enjoy it. It's Which, very funny. It's about gingerbread. Yeah. We were in much better spirits. <laughs> <laughs> yes last year it seems like decades ago okay oh, love you everyone hasta la past bye bye gingerbread bye bye life's banquet is powered by Simplecast. thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.